seasons greetings to everyone listening mj fam new michael jackson fans thank you so much for joining us on day 10 of the black jackson estate podcast presents the 12 days of christmas we're gonna jump right back into our conversation with our special guest damian shields about thriller 40 thank you guys again for listening to the black jackson estate podcast we hope that this show has brought you some joy and some laughs especially during this time of year Jumping back into it, this is day 10 from the Black Jackson Estate Podcast presents the 12 Days of Christmas. Let's move on to some of the content that we did get in this documentary. I want to talk briefly about the celebrity appearances that were made in user 1.5. You kind of touched on it a little. We had, uh, these are just some of the appearances or emphasis that was made on certain groups and celebrities. Usher, Mary J. Blige. Raphael Sadiq, Maxwell, Misty Copeland, Polo G, Mark Ronson, BTS. We have these folks who show up in the documentary very early. Some of the first voices in the Spike Lee documentary from Motown to Off the Wall was Katherine Jackson, Barry Gordy, Suzanne DePass. Some of the first voices you hear in this one are Usher and Mary J. Blige and Maxwell. What do you guys think about the inclusion of these celebrity voices that actually are pretty prominent throughout the entire documentary? Was it a good ad or do you think it was not needed or distracting or you just didn't like it? What What are your thoughts? Listen, first of all, BTS was just in there visually. They didn't come in and sit and talk about Michael at all. Good for you for adding them to the list. I wouldn't count them. Because they spent like 30, they're like a minute going over the similarities between K-pop, BTS mm-hmm. specifically. And yeah, I yeah, know no, Taj I get it. that up. I know Taj was, I know Taj I, got out of his seat when he saw that part. He loved he BTS. Loved BTS. He reposted them all the time. Taj Shout loved out to Taj in that way. I don't know why half those people were in this. I get it. Everybody loves Michael. I get it. You want to include people. I did appreciate Misty's analysis of Michael as a dancer compared to her own ballet training, but I just don't know why she was included. Mary J. Blige really just fangirled out the whole her whole interview was her fangirling out which I get it sis Usher made the most sense to me because Usher knew Michael Usher has been on stage with Michael uh Usher was handpicked by Michael to perform at his 30th anniversary special so I mean I, I that I understood I'm gonna ask about specifically about two additional people and I want you to talk about whether or not either was appropriate Misty Copeland the ballet dancer and Polo G What did you think about including them in this documentary? Well, I have to be honest. Prior to Polo G doing the Smooth Criminal spin-off thing song that he did a couple of years ago, I'd never heard of him. And actually, the only time I've heard of him since the Smooth Criminal thing is when he got arrested for a whole bunch of like kidnapping charges and weapons charges (laughs) and whatever. Oh, my God. And then then his brother... And then his brother, if I think a, a month or two before the documentary came out, his brother got arrested for a drive-by shooting. And so he's oh charged with felony murder. So these, this is the only times I've ever heard Polo G ever be mentioned. I asked a lot of people in my in my life, and remember, I'm white Australian, so I'm coming from a different place that, than you guys are, but not a single person in my sphere has ever heard of Polo G. I guess they chose him to try and make thriller relevant in the current day and age by choosing a 
Noah Rapper, who's used Michael's music in his own work to say like Michael's relevant because Polo G used a Michael thing. It's not, it doesn't work when no one has ever heard of Polo G, right? If you would have said Rihanna used Wanna Be Starting Something in one of the biggest hits of her career with Don't Stop the Music, and you had Rihanna in the documentary talking about her use of the song and Michael's influence on her, that's great. Rihanna is one of the biggest artists in the history of music. Uh, If you would have had Kanye, and I know people are going to have you know, he's a polarizing person and varying degrees of opinion on Kanye West, but he he used PYT in one of his biggest hits in The Good Life. Um, yeah. If you would have had him in the documentary talking about how Michael influenced him, you know, he was in Bad 25 and that was great. If you And he's a big star. That would have been awesome. But Polo G made no sense to me, not only because I've never heard of him and no one's ever heard of him. Um, he has never achieved anything noteworthy in in music, the the sample of the song he used that's actually featured in this documentary, Polo G's song is in the documentary while he's talking about his song. It's not a Thriller album song. It's a bad album song. It's a smooth criminal that he used. Um, and the album on which his Michael Jackson sample featured didn't even chart in the Billboard 200s chart. Like it's not. It wasn't a top 200 album upon its release. So it's how relevant is he really in in the grand scheme of talking about the Sistine Chapel of albums, like the biggest album in history. You've got someone trying to make it relevant who no one has ever heard of. Makes no sense to me. Misty was okay, but I wouldn't, nothing against Misty. She's great, but I wouldn't, I also would not have included Misty. And then going back to the other people that you've all talked about, Mary J. Blige, love her. <laughs> and she's such a fangirl. And it's like really nice to see her <laughs> like being a fangirl, but we all are. Right. Um, I wouldn't have had Mary J. Blige. Mark Ronson absolutely had to go. I mean, if I would have had a list of people that I would exclude, it would be probably 75% of the talking heads because I, I don't want to see a, you know, a circle joke of people fangirling and fanboying over Michael Jackson because you've got footage of the actual fans from 1983 and 1984, you know, at the shooting of the videos, the award ceremonies, chasing the limousines, coming to the concerts. We can see how, how people reacted to Michael, how crazy people went over him. Usher was a good talking head and keep in mind, like we don't know what they all said in their interviews. We don't know how deep they went and and if they gave like incredible insights and they just weren't used, but even Usher's the, the clips that they used of Usher talking about things, I thought, maybe were the wrong insights. I think it, the whole thing was the wrong angle. I mean, look at Stephen Ivory. Stephen Ivory for me is the star of the documentary. He is the best talking head. Him and John Landis mm-hmm. are the best talking heads in the whole thing. Mm-hmm. But Stephen Ivory is talking about Motown 25. I'm sure Stephen Ivory told the whole story of Motown 25. The clip that Nelson George chose to include was, was Stephen Ivory talking about how he went and got a suit and went to the theater. Yeah. Yeah. I'm yeah. thinking like, where is the, you know, from the one documentary where he's like, this was Michael's coronation and this is la 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 and the whole thing and the room is full of luminaries and la. no, it's like, I went and got a suit and I went to the theater and then it cuts. It's like, hang on a second. Why did you choose that clip? It means nothing. What, what scene are you setting here? Obviously you wore a suit. Everybody did. Everybody, so what does yeah. that even mean? My yeah. whole philosophy on these documentaries is don't put any, anything in there that doesn't actually build towards something. And wearing a suit to the to like the Motown Twenty Five, come on, 
Well, the yeah, point, Damien, I think you're trying to make, which I agree with, is that we didn't ever build to anything. Nothing ever got momentum enough to like when they would start talking about something and you're like, OK, good. Like in the beginning, I fully expected that they were either going to talk about just the short films, uh, you know, the short films that he did or the each song track by track. That's where I thought we were going from the way they set it up in the beginning. And then it just stopped. And then they started talking about something else. And I was like, wait, I thought we were heading in this direction. And then you would kind of get two minutes of heading in another direction and then they would stop. And you're like, OK, I guess we're not going yeah. down that road either. I think you're getting to the the I think what I've seen is a a common critique of the the documentary. And that is that it's kind of disjointed. It does not. It's if not we, kind if, if of. It is disjointed. Yeah. If we're if you're trying if, to be nice, if, but good for if you. we're praising Spike Lee's storytelling, this is a, this is a great example of what not to do. The opposite. Telling the story. It's and, the complete opposite. And yeah, I think that was a big critique that you just saw over and over online. Damien, what did you think about Will I Am and his little inclusion in there? He had to with, go. He said one great thing. He said, if Thriller would come out today, it would still be the greatest album ever made. Yeah. That's a great line. It works really well in the, in the trailer. Excellent. But everything else that he con- contributed to that documentary, I think was just nonsense. Absolute nonsense. Yeah. Why did he get like three minutes to sit there with the beat it <laughs> multi tracks and start p- p- picking out like Michael yawning? Like, yes. You know, Michael was so confident yes. that he was like, he was like then yawning he on a yawn. like. Like it's not a sound in the song. Like it's not an intentional part of the recording. Like what, what are you even talking about? Yeah, I uh, was really confused. I was and like, I thought, I'm I just think making was, sure it wasn't me. You know, documentaries, they sometimes they try and find, they have like drama, peaks and valleys. They build to things, they cliffhang things. They like, they make you go on a roller coaster. And then they have the, the light moments where you get a laugh. And I think the, yeah, in, in my experience, the people that I've spoken to, and I did watch it with my mom and, with the with the waters, with um, them talking about the Mama Sam, Mama Sam, Mama Kusa. Mm-hmm. And he says, like, I asked Michael, what does it mean? And it don't mean nothing. Just sing it. Right. That got a laugh. <laughs> right? That got a laugh. Every, it everybody means that Michael I've about spoke, to get sued is what it means. Like, And he did. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and he did. And Rihanna did. did too. When Everybody he, got sued. So yeah. She didn't learn. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, right. She didn't do her research before she threw that in there. No, uh, but which is why I think Akon sang a completely wrong Mama Sam, Mama Samba Marcusa in the Thriller 25 version. He does not sing the correct lyrics. He sings a completely different lyric, and I think that's their way around not getting sued again. Mm-hmm. But um, that was a good laugh moment where it was, you know, it don't mean nothing, just sing it. Well, let's play a little Thriller 40, what I like to call Thriller 40, in or out. And here's the thing. I'm going to give you guys a couple of parts of the documentary and you're going to let me know is this going to be like when you go to the airport and it's asking you if you've got bombs if you've got knives weapons <laughs> drugs, you just go you just go no 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 yeah, yeah. it's it. pretty no, much of like course that. i've never been arrested for anything and no i'm just going to tick no to everything is that what this is yes. pretty much do you have cocaine in your bag this is that yeah absolutely did anybody give you anything to to bring into the airport <laughs> no Exactly. So you guys kind of get how this works. In or out. Is it in or is it out? Okay. okay. So in or out number one, the documentary begins with a recap of Michael's start in the music business. They show some J5 footage and early days of his career, including off the wall. Was this needed? In, but completely re-edited. It was all wrong. But in, I think it's important that the origins story, especially if you're not slotting it into the 
trilogy of the Spike Lee thing because he covers that in Off the Wall, obviously. That's the whole purpose of that documentary. Mm -hmm. But if you're using this as a standalone on a different streaming platform, you're not going to put it on DVD. It's going to be, it's not connected with those other two. It would need to be in, but but it, they didn't do it. It was badly done, but it needs to be in. I'm going to agree. I was like, this is too long on this piece when we have other stuff. And also Michael Jackson is such a cultural phenomenon. Like there's a lot of people who don't know a lot of things. And especially as, you know, younger people, as people are younger, but there's some standards here. So we can make this really short and know that a lot of people ingesting this have a some sort of knowledge, right? Or and, and if you want to retell the story, let's make it really concise because we already have from Motown to Off the Wall, right? We already have that space covered. So I thought it was way too long. I agree. Put it in, but it needs to be done entirely different. Using 1.5, what do you think? In or out, a recap of Michael in the music business, his start in the music business, Jackson 5 footage, early years of the career. Do we keep it or should we have just let it go all together because we've already got it on another doc? Uh, yeah, I I don't think it needed to be in there at all. I think we we could have started maybe with the victory era, uh, victory tour era maybe, but I, I didn't think we needed to go all the way back to, to, to childhood. They could have left that out. All right, number two, in or out. There is a discussion had multiple times actually in this film about Michael Jackson's personal struggles with loneliness and sadness and those issues internally that he was struggling with as a man, as a person inside of being this superstar. Did we need those little sound bites of those pieces in this documentary because it's not prominent, but they're, they're sprinkled in there. Damien, what do you think? Out. That was nonsense. Maybe true, but like that didn't fit. It was changing. He was getting bigger, all that stuff. Like, yeah, no, all of that. No, so no. where are you going with this? If you're not going somewhere with this, if this isn't like a theme, then don't include it. That pissed me off. Uh, yeah, it, it was, a, it was necessary. Why is this here? It doesn't add to the story, it doesn't add to thriller. It has nothing to do with thriller. Let's stick to his career and stick to the music, as I'm sure Michael would have wanted. Just didn't fit. It felt like it was shoved in there. Like, why? What sympathies are we trying to garner for Michael Jackson, who at 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, is actually dealing with a lot of the issues that a lot of teenagers deal with? You just brought up a point that I was going to bring up earlier, was that when I saw the preview of this documentary in the, in the cinema a year before it was released... You see all of these pieces and you think, okay, like it's a work in progress. They're really strongly posturing this to the to the viewers in the cinema as this is a work in progress. And so things like that, I was expecting, like they're going to sit down in the editing room and they're going to say, this does not work. It's going to come and out. Yeah. It's got to come out or it's got to be shifted or moved to another place. And there are a whole bunch of things that you saw and you were like, that that has to come out and like non-negotiably that has to come out. And there are other things that you thought, well, you could use that, but it, sh it shouldn't be there. It should maybe be in the end credits or something else. But this was one of the things that I saw and I was just like, there's no way that makes the end, the final product. And there it, it was. Just, it makes no sense. And there it was, yeah. And there it was. Surprise, surprise. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> surprise, surprise. Well, actually, to, just to finish that, that thought off, they, they didn't change. The documentary they they sat on the same documentary for 13 months and then finally, <laughs> I love released, it. And I love finally it. released the same documentary that they the showed same. us in the cinema the same the only change that they made 
was removing about 90 seconds of Billie Jean end dance sequence footage of him moonwalking around in circles and up and down and probably the highlight of the whole documentary, they removed mm. it. That's the only change that they made. Were you surprised, Damien? Were you, when you saw it a few weeks ago, were you like, oh God, they didn't, this wasn't a work in progress. This was the actual damn, like, well, were for you two shocked? Reasons. So I was surprised for two reasons. Firstly, because when I came out of the cinema, I immediately, I was blown away by all of the source material. And like I said, I thought this has the ingredients to be a 10 out of 10. Obviously it's got the flour and the sugar and the, the eggs and everything. This could be a perfect cake. It just needs to be mixed and cooked. Right. It just seems like they let a two-year-old, you know, stir it with a wooden spoon and then <laughs> splatter it on the wall. And, and that's what it was. And it could, it could, it could easily have been a 10 out of 10, but I was very surprised that they didn't go back to the editing room, especially considering they didn't release it for the 40th anniversary. They, they kept it for a whole nother year. The, the mm -hmm. initial plan, because they, they made, they made this documentary all throughout 2022. The initial plan was to release it at the end of 2022. Then they shifted the plan to release it in January of 2023. Somehow we end up in December of 2023 and then it finally gets released, but it hasn't had any revisions. Like, and that did surprise me greatly because those revisions could have really changed my perspective on the final product. And you know, Damien, it makes you wonder what input they got. Did they ask the people who I was thinking got that. to see this? Hey, yeah. what's your here's a little survey. What do you think? And like, was there any no. of that? No. No, 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 no. There were there were major issues that we saw in the cinema where it was like, hang on, that that talking head is really hard to hear. It's very low volume. And then the music would play and everyone's eardrums would be like exploding because it wasn't the, the volume levels weren't mixed properly. And that was like one thing it's like, okay, I believe that this is a work in progress because it obviously needs to be mixed properly. The volume levels are all wrong. And then it comes out on Showtime with no volume edit chain. I mean, the talking, I was having to turn, I was having to turn the TV up really loud to hear the talking heads and then the music would play and it would blast the whole TV. They, all of my neighbors would be awake in the middle of the night. You had to turn it back down really quickly so that you weren't disturbing the neighborhood. Everyone's dogs are barking. It's like, what's going on over there? It's like Macaulay Culkin playing the music to try and scare the, the bad guys away. Like you filthy animal. It was, it was like that. And those problems survived to the officially released product. And that shouldn't be a surprise to us because I mean, if you look at the Thriller 40 album, which came out a year earlier, they had songs that had been previously released, but they had them in lower quality than that they were in the previous releases, like songs like Carousel and can't get out of the rain are better in previous releases than they were in Thriller 40. It's so clearly the people in charge of quality control weren't showing up to work or were not <laughs> taking my Christmas advice and were drinking too much or something. Like it was a mess in that way. It was just huge mess. In that way. Yeah. yeah they, yeah. I, they, they missed, they missed the mark. <laughs> they missed the mark. Shout out to Tosh. Um, but you had, but you had the same problem with the audio levels, right? Like you said the yes, same thing to me. We had the same problems with the audio. It was just, I mean, honestly, it was tough to get through. We had to keep stopping and taking breaks because it was like, damn, I, it's only been five minutes and I feel like I've been sitting here for a day. It was tough to get through. Because it was hard to get through. Yeah, It just and wasn't Bad good. storytelling will do that. Bad storytelling will do that. When you, when you tell a story well, people are enraptured. 
they're on the edge of their seat. They're invested in it. Yeah. yeah. When you tell a story bad, it's like, okay, well, you know, it's like a, it's it was all over the place. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree with everything you guys are saying. I'm, I'm trying to get us some some positivity here. Um, another in or out. <laughs> this is our last. <laughs> it's our last in or out. John Branca is a, <laughs> John is a talking head throughout. Oh, this. we love him this documentary in or out and i also want you to give yes or no to the in or out with the consideration of the reality that quincy jones is not in this documentary and he's the producer of this album he is here and neither are any of michael's family members uh including his 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 family who he was living at havenhurst at the time no one whom he worked with as a creative his family members none of them were there um in this documentary but john Branca was certainly there. But John was. What do you guys think? John Branca's in? Should he have been in or out? And does that change your opinion when you also include in that analysis that Quincy Jones not included and family is not included? I I will never vote for John to be in anything. Um, I understand why he was there. I, I get it. He kind of was able to give us a, a bridge kind of make this documentary make sense in a way. Um, but I just, I'm not a John Branca fan. So yeah, I mean, I get why John was there, but there are so many people that are still alive that would have been a better choice. Now, I know that they have to, I'm sure some of these people um, request payment for their interviews. I'm sure some of these people wouldn't touch, you know, John Branca with a 10 foot pole if he begged them. So, I mean, I, I understand that there are underlying things happening as well, which may be why some people weren't invited or didn't appear. But I just think it was such a huge miss to not have his someone in his family there. I mean, I I don't care who. I just think that that was so disrespectful to Michael and to his legacy to have them in the film by way of the victory tour footage. That was beautiful, by the way. Beautiful footage. I just think it was so disrespectful to not have his brothers there. One of them, the one you like the most, John. I don't know who that is. Jermaine, maybe. Jackie. Jackie gets like Jackie I, gets a bag though. But you know. Jackie gets a bag. What do you think, Damien? In or out, John? And uh do you agree with user 1.5 that it was that it is disrespectful to not include family in this documentary? Um, I'll start with the family. It's totally disrespectful to not include the family. And put it into the into context. The the album thriller was made in 1982 michael jackson lived at his family home in 1982 at the havenhurst complex in encino with other members of his family Mm -hmm. the demos that were created in the havenhurst home studio which would ultimately be become the songs for for thriller the cornerstone songs like beat it and billy jean and want to be starting something family members were involved in the creation of some of those demos I mean, you've got the the family living there. Michael's living with the family. The family's involved in in the Havenhurst home studio. Keep in mind, Michael had also just done the Triumph album and tour and was then still contracted to do the Victory album after Thriller as well. So the family was still a very much a unified working unit. There was no divide on the family side of things. Yes, it was a Michael Jackson album and yes, he did go to the studio and record this album with Quincy and Bruce and Rod Temperton and those things, those people. But to get to the studio, he's got to go from his house where he lives with his family who are involved. You've got Janet and LaToya on 
one of the songs on the album mm-hmm. on PYT. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, what what better, like, huge, famous, successful, legendary talking head could you have than Janet Jackson, who could be speaking to you as a young Janet Jackson a, in her late teens watching her brother craft this album? She can talk about how he was in his dance studio every day dancing. She could talk about going in the studio and watching him make his demos and participating and then being on the album. She's Janet fucking Jackson. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's certainly a better talking head than Mark fucking Ronson. <laughs> you know, through which lens do you want to talk about this huge superstar, Michael Jackson, and what he was able to do musically through the lens of Mark Ronson or through the lens of someone like Janet? And again, like you said, whether or not they would actually want to participate in a documentary like this because of the relationships that the estate has with certain people, we don't know. But it would have been beautiful if they could find a way for this mm-hmm. this album the Mona Lisa of music to really have its proper celebration with the right people telling the, the proper story. So yes, they needed to have Jackson's in there on John Branca. Uh, you said in or out, I'd say in 100%. He was a key person in the team around Michael at that time. And probably the only constant person who was in the team from the beginning and was still there at the end of it through the whole era. Um, every deal that was done would have been negotiated by him. Everything that Michael needed or every obstacle he faced, John Branker would have been there to help him navigate it or overcome it. Again, we don't get to these people, the talking heads, they probably don't have a lot of control over the edit. John Branker may be an exception to that rule, given that he's an executive producer on the documentary and the co-executor of the estate that authorizes the documentary. But again, I think that the wrong choices were made with the clips that John Branker was included speaking on. I think that there are some really interesting things that John Branker was involved with that weren't included, like, you know, with Michael getting pressure from the Jehovah's Witness religion to not release the thriller film and John Branker coming up with the idea of putting a disclaimer saying that he doesn't believe in the certain things that are depicted in the film. And this is, you know, it's a work of art and not a true representation of, of, of him and, you know, Michael calling Branker and asking for the tapes to be burned. Like those things, like, can you imagine that, that moment where Mm. Branker is tiptoeing that line of we've got this short film, which everyone believes is going to revolutionize short films. And now Michael's getting pressure from the church to not release it. And we've got to try and find a way around it because what happens, you know, that's a sliding doors moment. What happens if that video actually doesn't come out? What happens if the church wins there? And not even I mean, a mention, not even a mention. And if you, and if you want to talk mention. about, if you want to talk about Michael's personal life, here's where you could have brought this in, in a real way, right? Like his devoutness, his very, you know, he was really a Jehovah's witness for real. He was this really is a guy who in the peak of his yeah. fame would dress yeah. up in a costume, a disguise go and still go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And witness. Yeah. He was yep. still doorknock. To so, be witness. Yeah. <sighs> Anyway, so John Branker is definitely in. I mean, as much as we all have our issues with John Branker, he has to be in the documentary for sure. But it's just the choices of which topics he covers, I think, were bad choices. And is that Nelson George's fault? Probably. But yeah, he's in for me. He's in. I don't like it, but I agree. He's in and I don't like it even more so because there are no Jacksons. And I think back to I am Michael Jackson now. (laughs) <laughs> after Michael died and I just it just burnt I think the the long story of John makes me want to go like kick his ass his ass gotta go like he gotta go but is he a part of this yes is he a criminal sitting there telling the story 
as the the thief of the <laughs> estate. <he> criminal? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. And all of that should burn you. It's kind of like watching the person who killed somebody really close to you get on the documentary on date nine talking about it. Like, yeah. I was there. <laughs> yeah. And uh, oh yeah, like the what's that? I am a killer. He has to be there to tell it, and he's gonna be because of the realities of what we have with him. But I think when I more look at Quincy not being there, the family not being there, I really don't want to see him. Then I'm like, okay, dude, you can go, um, because the story is so incomplete without those people involved, and they were involved. Um, I'm trying to think, was Quincy? These actually- Jacksons went on the damn fucking tour. Yeah, they were on the like, so we do this whole thing about victory, and we have no Jacksons. The Jacksons were in Spike Lee's documentaries, so it's interesting they're not in this one. Um, and like I said, one of the first voices you hear in from Motown to Off the Wall is Catherine Jackson's voice sitting down to do this interview. (laughs) So it's interesting that now there's just a complete void of Jacksons. How how y'all figure that out? And everybody's alive except for how did you right? How did you find John Landis and his wife? And how that did was you the best find... part of the damn documentary, though. Honest, that and the the victory. But you found footage. all these other people, but you couldn't find a Jackson. That's the thing that's they troubling. didn't want to find a Jackson because because be honest, fair, like... to be fair, the estate is currently fighting with Catherine because the estate wants to sell Michael's music to Sony, and Catherine does not want to allow them to do it. So you know they're always fighting with her because she's the one that's, that stayed and keep them on their fucking toes and she's yeah. always she's always got something with them and good for her because if she didn't for say sure. anything who would i mean over there i don't even know i, I mean top shout out to taj and um was it terrell uh or yeah it was terrell who really they sounded the alarm about these fake something the, the, there are family members who really do have had yeah. moments of real uh, clarity and speaking out using their platform, which they have yeah. one. All, Sometimes all three I think of they the T's. Yeah, all Tarot, three of the T's. And Catherine. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, yeah. you guys have a, such a platform. And sometimes I think they forget they do have a real platform. Like, speak up. Miss Catherine, like, what, what we need to fight them about today. I'm ready. But see, and it's like what Damien said earlier. It's This is the Mona Lisa of albums. So put the bullshit aside long enough to get their input on this. That's it. You know what I mean? Like you don't have to like them after this. You don't have to like them during this, but in order to tell the story properly, omitting them is not, it, it almost makes it inauthentic to me. I think yeah, there's the same, the same issue of needing to figure it out is probably why we didn't get a track by track analysis in the sense that, um, there is tension with Rod Temperton's estate and with Quincy Jones as well. Mm -hmm. We don't get any kind of detailed analysis of uh, baby be mine. We got like, we thought we were going to get something and then Anthony Marinelli comes in and starts playing some instruments over the top of baby be mine. And then it's like Mm -hmm. ended. We don't hear any vocals. We don't hear any good testimony about Rod Temperton's songwriting. And maybe that's because they aren't on terms with the Temperton estate. Um, the same thing goes with the lady in my life. Not even a single note of the lady in my life Ugh, is even in the documentary. Which is a crime. Um, which is the uh, which is another Rod Temperton track. And we don't get any of the backstory of how Thriller became Thriller, keeping in mind that Thriller started out as Starlight. And they do mention Starlight, yeah. but they don't say what Starlight was, how it sounded before, and what the process was with the team basically 
having an honest look at the work that they've done and realizing that a song like Starlight is not going to match it with a song like Billie Jean or Want to Be Starting Something and going back to the drawing board and rewriting the fucking song. If you if you have Starlight as Starlight, you don't get Thriller, the short film. It's a missed opportunity to tell that story. And they've just released the Thriller 40 album with Starlight on it. You could play a short clip of it and saying this is what it, how it originally started. You could have on-screen text saying Starlight as heard in the Thriller 40 album. Like you could promote your stuff there. Like there's missed opportunities everywhere. And to not have the, the testimony of Rod Temperton talking about needing to go back to the drawing board, figuring out a new way to write the song, coming up with a new title, going to Quincy and Michael and saying, would we rather do it as Starlight or as Thriller? And then Michael's making the decision why I want to do it as Thriller because I think that's more exciting for the younger generation that's going to have more edge to it. Let's do it as Thriller. Redoing the music, adding the sounds, and all of a sudden now we've got a song that can have a music video like Thriller. I mean, it's there's there's so many these of these amazing stories that get missed by the fact that they probably just, it's either too much trouble or too much bad blood for them to get the right people in to talk about the stories that are the most important stories. How you make this many enemies this quickly, John? They omitted all of these amazing stories, but then we get the story about the Pepsi commercial. We've got more of Demi Shields. There's more. There's more of this Thriller 40 documentary review. And we promise you guys there's some positive stuff coming. I know (laughs) that this felt very like we just took a knife and it cuts like a knife. I know it feels like that, but we've got some more highlights and lowlights. Come back tomorrow for the Black Jackson Estate Podcast, 12 Days of Christmas. 2023 user 1.5 you got anything you want to say before we before we sign out from this episode there's more guys i feel like there's... it's the grinch that stole christmas on these two episodes <laughs> <laughs> we what's why we're gonna give them some we're gonna give them some holly jollies tomorrow just you gotta come back you gotta come back and you'll hear us talk a little bit more about Damien actually gave you a good preview. We're going to talk about some of the songs that were included, not included, some of the anecdotes we saw there, 4K, things that we loved. Um, And we'll also talk about some things that maybe were amiss. And we'll, in the end, have each person on this show rate this documentary from A to F. You don't want to miss it. Come back tomorrow for the Black Jackson State Podcast presents the 12 Days of Christmas. We'll see you guys tomorrow.